Welcome back, Cal listeners. This is Methodical Millions, episode 24. Thanks everyone for tuning in today. Cal, there was a really cool presentation on Neuralink and we briefly brought it up last time, but there was a lot of new developments on it. I wanted to know if you had a chance to watch it. Yeah, I've actually watched it a couple of days ago and it's absolutely fascinating. You know, for those of us who don't know what Neuralink is, can you explain a bit more what that is? Absolutely. So Neuralink is an Elon Musk company and I think it started when he noticed that AI, mostly from Google, started to advance at a pace that's faster than we might be able to control. And the overarching theme is what happens one day if AI becomes this unstoppable force where we really lose our autonomy of being on top of the food chain and life as we know it might change. So it's very sci-fi. And if we start to unpack the layers here, there's actually a lot of health implications that will likely solve things that we struggle with. So the short-term goal of Neuralink is to actually solve things like paralysis. So if you have a spinal cord injury or you were born paralyzed, something like that is typically due to neurons not firing correctly through your body. And as far as I understand it, neurons are basically electrical signals in your brain. And the brain is one of those things that isn't really known well. But in true Elon Musk fashion, if something's ambitious, I think that's his starting point. So he started a company that sought to embed a computer device into people's brain. And the whole goal of that was to speed up data going in and out. And we kind of have that with smartphones, but it's not really connected. It's not connected to our thoughts. It's separate. So with Neuralink, this presentation was actually the first time it has been demonstrated live. So there was a presentation, I think six months or a year ago, where it was announced that it's in development. And it went from sci-fi to reality. And this is still step one. So it's not quite ready for public use, but every big breakthrough takes one step at a time. So what he did was he demonstrated a working Neuralink in pigs. And this is essentially a device that looks about the size of a smartwatch. And this watch sized device, it almost looks like it has tentacles like a jellyfish. So imagine a circle base and a bunch of little wires hanging down. The crazy part to me that I'm still trying to understand is these wires actually connect to your brain matter. And I can't even tell you what the brain looks like. I think they actually showed a live feed of it being installed. So super small wires. Apparently, this is a surgical procedure that can be done in about a half day. You're not going to be on any anesthesia. But the part that makes me a little bit uneasy is that it actually removes a piece of your skull. So you're cutting a piece to insert a device that's going to augment how you process information. And it's crazy because it's almost like a miniature cell phone and it's got to be charged. So my first reaction was, this is going to be like the Matrix. I think he talked about plugging it in to charge it. It's almost like those smartwatches that actually sit on a base to charge. And he showed like a USB plug-in. It's really, really different. I will say that. I mean, 100 years ago, no one could imagine the smartphone, let alone 
it being embedded in us. So lots of wacky stuff going on here. Cal, what were your first impressions seeing this device? You know, whether you agree with Neuralink and what they're planning on doing or not, you have to admit this is very exciting stuff. Just to understand the potential behind this could be exciting and scary at the same time, but you hope that very smart people working behind this put a lot of effort. They're dedicating their expertise, their careers, their lives to doing something that will be life-changing. And basically, like you said, it's about a large coin-sized device. They cut the skull. It's supposed to be kind of flush. So after it's implanted, I think there is some anesthesia, just not any general anesthesia. So my guess would be local anesthesia. But regardless of the process, it's reversible, it's upgradable. That kind of stuff is insane. You can connect it to your smartphone, and basically it can display the signals that it reads from the brain. Now, they start off with saying that their initial goals for this is for medical purposes. So like you said, paralysis, blindness, loss of hearing, memory loss, depression, addiction. So all these mentally related disabilities, if you like, could potentially be cured, if that's the right word for it, using this device. And because when someone suffers paralysis, it's the brain having trouble to send a signal or your spinal cord sending a signal to the nerves in the rest of your body. So what this is, is basically trying to jump that and give you that movement again. It gives you that wire connection or reestablish that connection. Because it's not your muscles that paralyze, it's the nerves connected to those muscles. So if you think of it, you can potentially see again, you can hear again, you can walk again. And the point of it is you will not be able to distinguish a person who has it from the one who doesn't. So that to me is insane. It's amazing because you think the regular line of technologies, things start big and cumbersome and expensive just like a big computer or a big calculator or first cell phone and anything if you think of it. And now you're jumping into something that basically is seamless with the human body. You can upgrade in the future or if you want to replace it or whatever reason you have to remove it altogether, you can do that. I'm just lost for words for that. It's going to be a different world when someone asks their parents for a Neuralink instead of an iPhone. It reminds me of, if you ever took like a Psych 101, have you ever heard of electroshock therapy, basically electrodes stimulating your brain? I think it was used for schizophrenia and psychosis disorders. I just pulled up Wikipedia. It looks like in 01, a million people in the US annually received electroshock therapy. So I want to make something clear that this isn't a novel idea in terms of changing or interfering with the brain's electromagnetic waves. It's more of an evolution on previous practices. And Elon Musk made a point, which is the gold standard of Neuralink before this company was a device with thicker wires. And apparently it's helped 100,000 people already with actual changes and improvements in their lives. And if you take it from a perspective of wanting to take someone who really can't function in a normal way where they can do things they want to do and they're really impacted by what's going on in their heads. I think it's definitely clever and interesting. So what made me very optimistic about this idea that he's building is, you know, he's going to hit it out of the park when he talks about 10xing something or improving something 100x. He's done that with rockets. 
bringing the cost down. He's done that with tunnels. And the way his mind works is he always takes a problem and says, what's the first principles approach? So it's basically a physics term to say, what are the atoms in this product? Or what are the basic constituents, the building blocks of what I'm trying to solve? And how do you build, whether it's through manufacturing or rearranging, how do you build these things in a cheaper way, in a more cost-efficient way, and in a smarter way? So the reason behind a lot of his success is thinking about things in this manner and not taking at face value, this is how things have always been done. And if you can draw one thing from his character, I think that would be it. The thing with this first principles approach is He's looking how to make devices smaller, using modern tech or innovation to get smarter about how these sensors read the brain. And I think for the longest time, even modern science doesn't understand the brain that well. But under Neuralink, he did show a live demo of reading brain signals. So what I think this is is mostly a proof of concept. And it always amazes me how you think this is not going to be a big deal, but let's see in five years, I think we'll see our first example of a person wearing Neuralink by then. So Cal, what's your bet? Under or over five years before we see the first Neuralink working in a person? I would say it's going to be around the five-year period. It's already been, like you said, demonstrated on through this presentation on pigs. And according to him, it's version 0.9. And I would say five years would be my bet, just around the five-year window. Perhaps if it's under, I don't think it's going to be much under that, but I think it's going to be within the next five years for sure. And the amount of confidence I have in this is, first of all, he started off by saying this is not fundraising for Neuralink. So we're not trying to raise money here. We're going to show what we're working on and what it can't possibly do. And then you see the members of the small team that they have, newer surgeons, mechanical engineers, software engineers all these people working together and you've got to respect the amount of effort regarding the project they're working on. To me, it's very exciting. I've known of Neuralink for a while. To see it in action is quite something. But my question for you is, what do you believe is the potential beyond their initial goals? What do you think it could mean for mankind? So we'll start with the short-term implications. If this is true and Neuralink solves all these psychological disorders, physiological disorders, we will have probably the biggest breakthrough in modern science in terms of understanding the human body. Because as far as I know, for a couple thousand years, you can take the most advanced medicine and understanding of life and no one really understands the brain. So There isn't much in the way of concrete therapy or ways to really help someone. I think the normal way is to medicate. And the problem with medication is you're almost carpet bombing your mind or muddying the waters where you're kind of hoping for an outcome without really understanding the effects. And the thing with Neuralink is, number one, it can read the brain. By the way, I remember seeing in the video the goal was that Neuralink could image a pig's movement in terms of limbs on a treadmill and accurately predict based on electro signals where those limbs are going to be. And what does that mean for the future of Neuralink in people? If you can predict which signals are firing 
to activate limbs, then in the case of someone who's paralyzed, you can probably say, I see this neuron firing. The brain is trying to move that leg, but it's not working. Let's get that signal to the leg. And to me, that's actually the most profound thing. Imagine taking people who lost that access to walking or suffer from dementia, suffer from Alzheimer's. You could probably improve the quality of life of people for 50 meaningful years for people whose outlook might be grim. So I think the overarching positivity for humanity is going to be huge. And I can only be really optimistic about what that does, because if you're someone who's affected, your life will be changed forever. And honestly, between going to Mars and becoming half Neuralink, half person, the world will not be the same. That much is true. In terms of the furthest scope this can go, I'm not sure if I'm that forward thinking, but I think I was reading through some of the YouTube comments. I guess people are wondering, can you store and record consciousness? One of the questions was, can you replay memories? And I'm pretty sure Elon Musk said, yeah, I think we can. So that part's always a black box to me, which is, how do you even record a memory? How do you know where the memory is stored in a hard drive? And I remember learning a technique in school, which was started by the ancient Greeks. And imagine yourself walking through a room. So the purpose of this was, how do you give a speech without writing anything down? So what you do is you walk through a room of your home and in every room you assign a topic. And there's this belief that memory is triggered by association. So it could be a smell, it could be meeting an old friend. Your life of memories is archived based on these associations. So when you enter each room, your topic will come to mind and then you can keep going with your speech. And then as you keep going, you'll recall what's next. And I remember first trying this thinking it sounds nice, but there's no way it works. And I actually think it does work. So understanding the association of memory and how that works, if Neuralink can read our minds and start to correlate, so not fully understand, but at least say, okay, I'm on my computer or playing sports. Back to the concept of data, the more we record about how our minds work, I think that's going to be the big unlock. So imagine we take these data sets of thousands and thousands, maybe millions of brains performing an action. So watching the latest NBA game, driving a car, what happens when we map the brain? So we talked about mapping roads, that kind of stuff. But if we map the brain to an extent that how we work is a knowable quantity. So we know exactly how neurons tend to behave, what part of the brain based on measuring, because right now measuring's exclusive to doctors who have machines. And I've never had my brain measured. I don't know if you have, but it's not commonplace. So if this becomes common, I think we'll see the first breakthrough really, really soon in terms of what you can do. And to me, that's the exciting part. I guess the scary part would be, I saw the joke, what happens when you start getting advertisements in your sleep? That'd be terrible. But it is a very good ethical question on where do we draw the line? So Cal, do you see yourself getting a Neuralink in your lifetime? Why and why not? What would be the case for both? The short answer would be at some point, yes, I would. If you ask me, would you do it today? Even if it's safe to install into human brains and all that stuff, I would probably not be one of the pioneers and one of those who start with it. But I would love to see it develop. And I'm very interested to see how it actually works. Because like I said, initially, the goal is to help people recover from those physiological or mental 
challenges. So I'd love to see that evolve into the medical field because surely that can in some way or the other have a effect on the longevity of people, of lives, and the fact that people might be able to live longer because as one grows older, they would suffer these kind of things one way or the other. So let's say it can actually help you prevent Alzheimer's, for example, if it does, then it could be life-changing. I remember in the video, one of them said that they would love it to at one point see if it can actually reverse or remove autism. And to me, that was an aha moment. Like, that's brilliant. I didn't even think of that because that is huge. If this can actually remove that challenge from one's life, from suffering with autism, then it's not just life-changing. It's giving you a new life. It's mind-boggling. And the fact that they are already at a point where they can install it, they did mention that the whole procedure will be automated. There is a machine that would perform the incision, perform the installation, and then finish the whole procedure. I think the goal of the actual surgical procedure would be within an hour or so, which is nothing. So from the time of you going to the hospital to the time of you leaving the hospital, will be less than a day. It just shows how impressive that is from the get-go, right? Maybe you get to a point in the future, maybe 10 years down the road, where it's almost like a 10-minute thing. It might be advanced to the point there. A surgical procedure isn't required. But for now, this alone is quite impressive. Some people might be scared because it's something unusual. And yes, I agree that there are some aspects of it that can be worrying, like the security aspect of it, the data that will be collected from this. There's a much larger pool of information and data that Neuralink would probably have access to. So the way they deal with that is going to be up for discussion. But as it is right now, I cannot wait to see it advance more. And not only record memories, as you mentioned in the video, but those who can't see, they'll be able to create some sort of robotic eye. And those who already have regular vision can perhaps have even supervision down the road. Things like that enhances even the capabilities of normal people in terms of health that perhaps can push mankind to the next level. I think we're at a stage right now that The future is definitely going to be different, like you mentioned. And I think that those who are not prepared for the change, they kind of have to get prepared in one way or the other. It's still a bit early, but it's not going to take 20 years. I think within the next five years, like you mentioned, we'll definitely see some drastic enhancements in that field. You brought up a good point about the ethics and the privacy. I don't think it should be mandatory. It should be opt-in for sure. And just like any other technology, there's the early adopters who line up for it. And over time, once the safety has been proven and it becomes quite commonplace, I think we'll see even the middle of the bell curve, the average person start to adopt it. It's funny to think about, but we'll probably see an app store. So Neuralink app store, become a Neuralink developer. And who knows, you get to code stuff that interacts with your brain. And that part is very unique, but... At the very least, it's interesting, you got to admit. It's so out there that I find it intriguing. And just in a matter of understanding how our minds work, I think is the huge potential there. By the way, so when it comes to reversing, the part I didn't understand was, so you're removing a piece of skull, which sounds very graphic, but were they going to give that to me in a box? And in five years, I don't want it anymore. Am I keeping that and then installing it back? Does your skull just get glued back together? That part is still very unknown and uncertain for me. I don't like 
medical procedures necessarily. I mean, I get a bit squeamish with that, but there's no denying the concepts there. And I think we're still in the early reading understanding phase, but if there is an app store or a crowdsourcing of people working on it, it becomes open to develop, then I think we'll see some really unique stuff. I'm going to keep an eye on it. Yeah, I just want to add regarding the incision they make in your skull. I could be wrong, but my personal assumption would be that even if it's actually removed, I think they might perhaps not necessarily place your skull back because that piece of bone that's been cut out, it's an organic piece. So the integrity of that bone won't be the same, let's say five years later or whenever, right? So I would assume they just replace it with a sheet of metal or some sort of protective material. That would be perhaps just a strong, but substitutes it just like a case or a seal to cover that area. You heard it here first. Get on that Neuralink case business to give yourself a fashionable look. So with that said, I think we'll wrap up today's episode. I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in. This was Methodical Millions, episode 24. If you'd like to follow future episodes, you can find us at methodicalmillions.com or info at methodicalmillions.com for episode feedback. Thanks, everyone.